Citizens of the Earth, you will be destroyed. Welcome to Kaiju Carnival, where we explore the worlds of horror, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm Justin. And I'm Jenny. And we're just two dorks that love watching movies and love talking about movies. So if that's your thing, uh, come on in and uh, join the conversation with us. This week is a special week. (laughs) Yeah, in honor of May the 4th, we are reviewing Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. So I've seen this movie, I don't even know how many times. Um, I was such a huge Star Wars fan as a kid. If I had to guess, maybe 10 times. Oh my gosh. Um, So yeah, I definitely have seen the Star Wars films probably more than any other film series throughout my life. How many times have you seen it? I've seen it. This is, I think this is the third time. Yeah. But the first time I didn't remember because I was a kid. and then. Uh, I watched it as an adult, but I've watched Space Balls like 20 times. So I feel like they're very similar. <laughs> well, I mean, Space Balls is a fantastic film. But yes, yeah, Space Balls is definitely a parody off of Star Wars and other sci fi series. When it comes to the top three for this movie, I really had a difficult time of just choosing three things I wanted to talk about because mm-hmm. I feel like. With the Star Wars films, there's just so much to talk about. Um, but for my number one, and it's really basic, but I think from a filmmaker perspective, it's a really interesting thing that they do. And that is how they open every single Star Wars film with the music and the scrolling backstory. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, they actually cover a lot of ground mm-hmm. in those three to four paragraphs that they have of setting the stage for the rest of the film. Mm -hmm. And a lot of films will take, you know, uh, 15 minutes to kind of explain the backstory and all that, or they just don't explain the backstory and then everyone's confused about what's going on in the film. Right. So I feel like it's actually a really genius way to kind of set the stage and to prepare your audience it is. It, it's so funny that you mentioned that that's one of your favorite things about this film. That's probably one of the most... Uh, it's, it causes me a lot of anxiety because it goes, it scrolls up and I'm such a slow reader that I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta hurry up and read this because <laughs> I'm never going to see it again. It's going away. It's getting smaller. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, thank goodness there's re- rewind, right? <laughs> I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite things. I just think it's very unique about the Star Wars like film series. And I don't think I've ever seen that in any other film, really. Like Maybe you'll have like a paragraph at like the beginning of a film on like a black screen or something like that. Uh, I think I may have seen that before. But this is just such an iconic, you know, opening that like it's fully expected. In every Star Wars film now. If you have a Star Wars film without it, it's weird. Well, and that that actually brings up um, one of the things that I found unique about this film, or actually the whole, the whole series, um, was a huge part of making Star Wars was the music. And that opening scene, you know, 
the the opening what is it called what's the word that is uh the opening song i'm not a music person so i don't know i don't know what you're getting at um it's like a you know like the outro the intro the introduction song of the of the movie because it's so loud and it's so boisterous and uh you know whenever you hear that the song when it's scrolling that is everyone knows it's star wars um so whenever you whenever a like when darth vader vader shows up or when uh, luke skywalker shows up in the background it just depends on how intense they want it, but they always have this mel- this line, a melody of like their intro, their their theme song mm-hmm. in the background, and I think that that was like one of the coolest things about the way that they made this film. I mean, one of the many things why this film is so successful. Yeah, I mean, the music really is just big and epic to me. I don't know, I'm not really a music guy, but I definitely see what you're saying. Like, it's Definitely sets the mood. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, okay, so my number one is the, it's the, okay, so this film is the intro to the intro to the intro of everything, right? And they're introducing all the 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 main um, players, and it's, it was the moment that Luke Skywalker who is like this very innocent. I didn't realize how innocent of a boy he was in this. You know? He's just like a farm kid, but he um certain things happen and then he has to go back and make sure his aunt and uncle are okay. And then that's when like you see this like change in his in his character where he's like, "Oh, just found out about who my dad was and uncle and aunt are gone. They're toast." So now we are setting on this adventure. And I think that that was like the moment where I was like, wow, like this, this whole story is just fantastic. The way that it really keeps pushing you into the next thing that's about to happen. So I love how that, but overall the innocence of the story and just being like the beginning, it was really like, well, well laid out. My number two favorite thing about this film and this is definitely one of my favorite things is i just love tatooine as a planet and moss eisley spaceport you know a wretched hive of scum and villainy and i just love the cantina it just is like this like dusty old bar on this dusty old planet it really gives me sort of like those western vibes you know (laughs) And they, because I've always kind of looked at Star Wars as like almost like a space Western in some senses. And I think the Mandalorian does a really good job of kind of giving that vibe. Mm -hmm. Uh, But to me, like Tatooine is definitely just like a Western planet, you know. Mm -hmm. And they go into the cantina and, you know, they have that altercation with Hunda Baba and then Obi-Wan chops his arm off and everyone just goes back to what they were doing, you know, like the music stops for like a brief moment and then like everyone just goes back to it, you know? Yeah. And that's where they meet up with this, you know, with this dashing smuggler Han Solo. And it's just, I just love that scene. To me, it's, it's my favorite part of the film, hands down. Well, did you look at my notes or something? Because uh, 
that's what I had for my number two. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why is because I have heard everybody refer to um, to Star Wars as the uh, a Western in, in space, right? Yeah. And I didn't really understand it until that scene. So it was that because I could I could switch out the the alien faces with greasy, you know, uh, bearded, dirty. Uh, cowboys mm-hmm. drinking at a bar and it was exactly like that same vibe so I was like oh I get it now okay okay you know and then um, you know although they're not on horses and they're in like spaceships it kind of looking at it in that way I think this is the first time I've actually looked at it in a way like okay this is like a, a space western and so it really changed uh, the the experience my number three thing about this film, and this is kind of a bigger overarching thing that I just, I feel like when we talk about Star Wars, we have to talk about it. And it's just the, like the epic scale of this film, right? You have so many different alien races, right? Which leads to, you know, costumes. The sets are amazing. The practical effects are amazing. The fact that a lot of the starfighting stuff is uh, miniatures, right? Like if you ever get the chance to look at the behind the scenes and they they really developed so many things that led on to what we have now when it comes to the world of, you know, special effects and VFX Um, and just the amount of lore that has been generated based off this universe. I don't think there's any other, you know, franchise out there that is as deep and robust as the Star Wars franchise. Because if you just look at that cantina scene, there are aliens in there, you know, probably, you know, who knows, dozens, maybe 30 plus, right? Mm -hmm. And each of them have their own race and every race has its lore. Did it start out that way? No, it didn't. Um, but it has grown into something that just has not been matched. I mean, you have other epic franchises, right? You have like, you know, the Marvel universe and like the Lord of the Rings, you know, Tolkien universe. But I feel like Star Wars is on a scale all of its own. And I don't know if we'll ever see anything like it ever again, because it's not stopping. It's only getting more popular. Mm -hmm. So really, it's just the epic scale of this film and kind of the impact that's had on society. Like I can't drive around without seeing, you know, a star Wars sticker on someone's car these days or a tattoo on someone's body. Yeah. (laughs) It's interesting that you say that because what comes to mind is like star Trek. And although when you were talking about the different aliens and the, uh, the cantina and it, it, it really, I think the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars is that the Star Trek is very, you know, it's like a military. It's very like material. It's like very structured and they're going on missions and, you know, there's an agenda. And so even though they're going to these different planets, it's always a very military mindset, a, you know, troop mindset. Whereas Star Wars is is a story of like really they really are just normal people that got um, enhanced skills, I guess you could say, or skills I didn't didn't know they had. And, you know, they develop them and then they're just living 
uh, you know, surviving in a galaxy. And it's like, it's a very, it's like, they're just so normal, I guess. Mm -hmm. I I guess more relatable. Number three for myself (laughs) is, uh, so when we got to the scene of Jabba the Hutt and it made me think like, gosh, this guy is like not even talking English. Yeah. And so, and then I was like, oh my gosh, let's do this whole film. Uh, all the aliens are speaking in their own language, which we all know there's probably a lot of people that are fluent in these made up languages, <laughs> but you've got the aliens are speaking their own languages. And then the main characters are speaking in English. And like, supposedly everybody is like multilingual, uh, you know, knows all the languages of the galaxy with have there. No one is ever like, I'm sorry. What did you say? What does that mean again? <laughs> you yeah. know, they all, they all just know. Um, but I think that's like the another, another layer of the brilliance of this film is that it's not just like these two people having a conversation. It's like, you don't even realize it's happening. You're like reading a subtitles for one character um, and then, but you're, you're, you're not so focused on reading subtitles for two characters. You're really like, you're able to like, you know, the, um, the, like, you know, they're talking and Hansel has so much emotion and like snarky facial expressions. And it's like, you're, you're able to like really enjoy this, who this character is, um, the other thing is even the stormtroopers, how, you know, they're speaking in this like microphone that kind of makes them sound robotic. So everything has like an extra layer of like the way that they communicate in this film. And I think that that's what makes this film so great mm-hmm. is the way that they've thought of all these different details. Yeah. I mean, that kind of ties back into that lore for me. Right. And just. The fact that they didn't take the lazy way and just make everyone speak the same language. Mm-hmm. Like they created, you know, these different languages for these different creatures. And it's just, it's, it's expanded, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you flowing in? <laughs> not, nothing. <laughs> no, no. nothing. No, nothing. You didn't pick up like a, what is that? Um, on like Rosetta Stone. They no, like the no, Star Wars. No, <laughs> that would be a, <laughs> Yeah, that would be. That would be wild. I mean, honestly, if there was like Rosetta Stone for like, you know, sci-fi languages, I probably would have picked it up. Movie rules. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This one is kind of obvious, but with this film, um, speaking of Luke Skywalker, I feel like it was kind of cool that he was like this farm farm boy and he only knew of himself as just this like farm kid, you know, and and he didn't. He didn't know that there was a bigger, a bigger like life for him. And my, the rule is, you really can't run away from your destiny. I know that sounds really stupid, but no, I mean it totally fits with the really the behind all nine of the main franchise films. It's essentially you can't run away from your destiny, right? Because in the prequels, we get you know kind of Anakin's uh, story. And then four, five, six, we get Luke, and then seven, eight, nine. It's more about Ray, right? So it really is about this epic journey of these people. Yeah, and and like like when I was sitting back and like watching how it starts out, it's really the droids' journey. This film, 
right? Because they start out in space. Yeah, yeah. They get shot out onto the land. Yeah. And then they get found, uh, and then they get sold. I mean, and then they get picked up by Luke, and that's where, like, this everything starts opening up, you know? And then they find themselves back up in space. I mean, it's like this crazy journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great point. It's R2-D2 and C-3PO really tie everyone together. Mm-hmm. They're kind of the link between everybody, right. you know? Speaking of characters, my favorite character in this film is definitely Han Solo. <laughs> I, like, even as a kid, I thought Han Solo was the coolest guy in the world. He was always the coolest guy in Star Wars to me. When, whenever we would be playing Star Wars as kids, mm-hmm. like, I would want to be Han Solo. I don't want to be Luke Skywalker. I don't want to be anybody else. I want to be Han. Um, but I got I to gotta address the elephant in the room when it comes to my favorite scene in the cantina in Moss Eisley. So I'm sure you've heard people say Greedo shot or uh, Han shot first, mm-hmm. right? In the original film, Greedo didn't even shoot at all. So that's why I, I don't like Han shot first because Greedo didn't even get a chance to shoot. And to me, this fundamentally changes the character of Han Solo to have Greedo shoot at him before he shoots Greedo. And because to me, Han Solo was always the type of guy that will shoot you from underneath the table. Yeah. Like he's 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 a scoundrel, you know, he's a smuggler, he looks out for himself, mm-hmm. right? He essentially is always looking out for himself throughout the movie until the end when he decides to do the right thing and come back and help out. Um so I don't like that they added in Greedo shooting at him. I preferred it the old way when he just Greedo's across the table talking shit to him. And he's like, I bet you will. And then just shoots him, right? And just kills him right there. <laughs> yeah. And then gets up and flips a credit to the to the bartender and says, sorry for the mess. And then walks out of the bar. <laughs> like, to me, like, that was, you know, it was cold-blooded. And it's who Han Solo was to me when I first was introduced to the character. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like that's a fundamental change. You know, it goes from more of a, you know, well, he was defending himself to a guy that just shot a guy from underneath the table. Yeah, but I, w- I wouldn't have thought, like, just watching his character, I would have never thought he was a good guy. I mean, he's a handsome guy, but, like, yeah. he's so, he is, like, out for himself. Yeah. That's what I love about Han Solo. Yeah. You know, and I, I feel like it, they, you know, I don't know why, I don't know why they added that in. Um, but to, to me, they should have just kept it where he just killed, <laughs> killed Greedo, just, you know, <laughs> from under the table. So just, it's, it's, it's always about the small details. <laughs> yeah. My favorite character was, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> It's C-3PO. Yeah. And there's a reason why. Because I've always known him to be the... He is the the comic relief, right? Yeah. But I looked at him in a different light this time. Because I was like, what a horrible droid he is. (laughs) If he was a person, like, he would be hated by everyone. But it's, like, funny because only... Only um, R2-D2 sees the worst parts of C-3PO, but R2-D2 can't say anything except in his, like, beep, beep, boop, boop, voice, you know? So, I mean, C-3PO is, like, he sells his friend now, you know, R2-D2. He's, like, extremely unloyal to his friend. And then, but it's, like, he's always the victim. And then 
whenever he needs his friend or he, you know, he needs the comfort, he's always like, oh, I need you, you know. And then it's it's really like the worst friend ever. Yeah. <laughs> Throughout the whole film. But he's so funny and charming um, that, you know, he's so necessary in this in this movie. Dude, I, I heard this story once. I don't know if it's true, but I like to think that it is. Mm-hmm. That um, the actor that was playing C-3PO kept on George Lucas about like, hey, when's, C- when's C-3PO going get, to get do something heroic, you know? And George Lucas's response was just, C-3PO is a coward. He doesn't do anything <laughs> heroic. Cause he, he is a coward. He, he really is. Throughout all the films, like he just is kind of this, you know, he... he you know, I don't know if a droid can suffer from anxiety, but C-3PO definitely needs to yeah, talk to somebody. He needs, <laughs> like, to be on, put on medication. Well, yeah. Like, uh, it's, it's, he's so funny because he's so, he's such a sophisticated robot. Yeah. Robot, droid. And, you know, he, he's, like, trained, he has all these programs inside of him. Yeah. So he's, he's very expensive. And then, but yet, at the same time, he has no courage. Yeah. And he's just... Is like so afraid the whole he has high anxiety. It um, <laughs> it, it really like because he's a protocol droid, you know, so he is you know fluent in tons of languages, all that stuff, customs, right. courtesies. But I I kind of picture C three PO as like if if a group of, of adventurers brought their butler with them for yeah. some reason, <laughs> you know, because essentially that's how he acts. <laughs> yeah. He, he's very proper and always tries to, he doesn't want to offend anybody. Um, well, even his color, he, he's like yeah. gold. I mean, yeah. that is like, is, is like a very wealthy yeah. color, you know, it stands out. Although he was all dinged up and banged up in this, in this, uh, this film. What was your favorite like scene story wise in this film? So my favorite scene in this, well, it's not really a scene. It's like many, many scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I loved how there were a lot of jabs between Han Solo and Luke Skywalker about Princess Leia. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I love that they really kept pushing that, you know, like, hey, you, are you into this chick? Uh, nah. I'm like... But then he sees that he is, and then, you know, it's like high school a little bit. You can see, like, Han starts to, like, press it a little bit because he knows, like, Luke is interested. So then Han's like, well, maybe I will, you know. Yeah, so, like, throughout the the movie, you see this, and it's, like, it's so cute. Yeah. (laughs) And then you find out later there's other stuff going on, but... um... Yeah, I like I like that's what I love about this this film is like all the little details that they added in. Yeah, I mean, definitely my my favorite kind of you know sci fi movie scene in this was it's got to be the end with the um, with them attacking the Death Star. Mm -hmm. Um, Just you know, you know, planes and like you know, planes are cool, right? And if you watch, you know, fighters do like dog fighting and stuff like that, but you, you take that concept and then you put it into space and it's just like, it's, you know, it's everyone's like childhood dream, right? Like, you know, we all thought fighter pilots were cool growing up, but could you imagine being a fighter pilot in space? Like that's <laughs> like 10 times as cool, right? Um, so, and when the Millennium Falcon comes in to kind of save Luke at the end, mm-hmm. like I still get goosebumps. I've seen this movie so many times, <laughs> but I just love that. And, you know, Han Solo comes in and he's like, yeehaw, essentially. <laughs> um, and it was just, it was, it was, it's rad. I, I, that never gets old to me when he comes in to save the day. So. 
Yeah. Uh, this yeah, this film had like everything. It had like the you know the love story, the the fighting, you know. Um, but yeah, like you said, the fighting is like something where you're like you're on the edge of the at the edge of the chair and. You know, you're in space. It's not like you can eject. Like, no one survives. And really, it's like luck. Yeah. Because what were the chances that they were going to actually hit the target, you know? Yeah. Um. So, and, you know, and, and I was a little surprised how Luke Skywalker, I guess he had experience f- flying this particular X-Wing. Yeah, so, Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm like, oh, it must be easy to be a pilot in the future. <laughs> well, he, he had experience, you know, with other craft, I think, but I don't. And they really push that. Like, they, yeah. yeah, we know that he was definitely the best pilot in his planet, on his planet. What was your favorite, like, cinematography part, like, shot in this movie? So, uh, my favorite, my favorite cinematography shots. Had to have been on the Tatooine, mm. where you've got the you got like the perfect scene of like a desert area, and like I think that one scene where they really amp up all oh, the music, and then he he sees the two moons, and it was so pretty, you know. Oh almost it makes me want to go and stay at Airbnb in a place like this, you know. Yeah, which I know there are those places, um, but it was so it was like real desolate and. It's the way that, you know, back in the 70s, they didn't have what they have today. And they were able to make something that still holds up in today's world. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't think, like, oh, this is really old. No, you would be like, wow, like, just the way they, it's a lot of good lighting. And um, I think that that was the most impressive scenes, I would say, Yeah. in this film. No, that was a great part. That's right after he you know, has that discussion with Uncle Ben about, you know, not being able to go to the Academy this year and having to stay on for another year of harvest. And he goes outside and he's watching, you know, the two sunsets on Tatooine and he's just staring off in the distance and that music hits. Mm -hmm. And just like the look on his face where he's like kind of like defeated because he like knows like there's more out there than just being a moisture farmer. Right. You know? Right. And uh, that is such an epic scene. And I feel like the music really adds, like, substantially. Like, I don't know if there's another franchise out there where the music is as substantial to what's going on as the Star Wars series. Mm-hmm. So, um, what about you? That was definitely one of my favorite shots also. Um, but mine, mine's actually pretty simple and... I don't know why I love it so much. I just thought it was a really cool thing to do is when they come across the sand crawler after it had been attacked by the stormtroopers and the, you know, the stormtroopers tried to make it look like it was the Tusken Raiders that did it. Mm-hmm. And when Luke realizes that those are the same Jawas that they bought the droids from uh-huh. and he's like, Oh, Uncle and Aunt Peru might be in trouble. Uh-huh. He, it goes from like in like in like a very wide shot of him and Obi-Wan by the sand crawler Mm -hmm. and then he just runs like towards the camera and by the time he gets up to the camera it's gone from like you know a really big full like almost like a wide full shot to like a mid shot of like him like uh right before he gets in the land speeder so you get to see him run all the way at the camera and there's a lot happening but the camera never moves Mm -hmm. i just feel like that was really cool blocking 
um, for that shot in particular. You know, whenever that shot came up, I the one thing I thought was this this Land Cruiser is like connected to something mm-hmm. and and it g- gives a little bit. Yeah. And I was thinking like, that is so neat. Like, we all know that it's not that it's not like there was anything floating, you know, but yeah. like the way that they shot it and I, well, you wouldn't even never thought like because it was kind of cut out of the scene a little bit. And then whenever it zips across is the next scene, right, where mm-hmm. he's like rushing over to his home. Uh, I was like, I, I guess just kept thinking like, man, how did they do that? Man, if you should definitely get on YouTube and find, you know, how, how they did a lot of this stuff uh, for anybody out there listening to you. Like, it is so impressive because it's before all the stuff that we have now. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you can't just go in and mask out the wheels on the on a land speeder like that. I, I want to say they actually used Vaseline um, to. Uh, like on the lens, which sounds like a nightmare. Like if you're putting Vaseline on the lens <laughs> of a camera, I don't know if I'm misremembering that because it's been years since I watched this stuff. But they did so much. Just like we'll figure it out. Just like it's like the this movie kind of definitely propelled like sci-fi forward oh, yeah. like a lot. Yeah. And um, <laughs> can you imagine coming out with a sci-fi film that same year that this movie came out? Like, but after, like, uh, it'd you would be, co- co- be hard. Out. Yeah. Um, and I'll never I, make it. I could be wrong, but I I think that this was also the start of industrial light and magic, which was the uh, which which is a huge you know um, VFX company now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, th- to me, like the people that worked on this film are definitely like the pioneers the pioneers yeah. of a lot of what we have now got started mm-hmm. because of films like this mm-hmm. so okay i just have one one quick question before we wrap this whole baby up yeah do the laser guns ever run out of lasers <laughs> um i mean yeah like how is how what it's not like it's bullets is there like a like i don't know yeah the there's whole like time, a there's like a power power pack. source yeah. oh, okay okay so because I'm like, I'm like, you're shooting, but it's like, is it like just everybody dies and then it's over? Because I feel like it never runs out of power. Yeah, it does seem like a lot, right? So, <laughs> okay, so that was that was just like eating, eating away at me. <laughs> Could sleep last night. <laughs> um, so overall, obviously, super iconic film, the beginning of something that has generated so much content and just just joy in people's lives you know i mean star wars is it's a big part of a lot of people's lives and to me it never gets old and that's hard to say because any movie that you watch you know 10 plus times you know it's gonna get a little old after a while but i definitely don't watch it as much now as i used to as a kid but every few years i'll come back through around you know may the 4th and i'll (laughs) I'll watch you know a couple of my favorite films yeah so Obviously, can't say enough about this film. It's really, uh, it was fun to watch it through um, a different filter and kind of just seeing it through like the the space western or, um, you know, like really breaking it down a little bit more. I haven't watched it as much as you, but I would like to know if y'all out there want us to review more of the sci-fi films. Um, or even more of the Star Wars films, uh, let us know. I feel like we should we should definitely do some more sci-fi. 
Um, we've kind of been on the horror train for a while because we love horror films. And, you know, there's just so much content out there in every genre that, like, we could probably talk about horror for, you know, the rest of our lives. Um, but I, I do. I love sci-fi. And it's something that I feel like we don't talk about enough. So uh, hopefully we will, you know, start doing more sci-fi. I feel like we should run through a couple more Star Wars films. I think we should. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining us this week on Kaiju Carnival. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Kaiju underscore Carnival to see what we're going to be watching next week so you guys can stay caught up so you can join us for our uh, discussions. If y'all have any suggestions out there, more Star Wars, more horror, more fantasy, let us know at our email. Kaiju underscore... Oh, nope, that's not it. Email us at kaijucarnivalconnect at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. Mata ne!